0: All right, that's what's up. Usually you ask youth ministry, who's ready for God's word? And they go, oh, let's play some games. Psych, no games, just God's word tonight, amen? I don't know why I drank my water like that. (laughs) I'm gonna go ahead and put the cap on my water bottle because Van is helping with stagehand tonight. Hey, tonight we're continuing in our, uh, our mini-series, our series between series, if you will, entitled The Sermon on the Mount. That's, of course, not my title. That's the title that's been given to what has come to be known as the greatest sermon ever preached is the greatest sermon ever preached preached by jesus found in the gospel of matthew matthew 5 6 and 7 if you're wondering it's called the sermon on the mount and we're going to be digging into it this week and 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 it's a series between a series it wasn't like a full-blown series you know we didn't do all the normal like bells and whistles for this series but uh, we had last week we covered the beatitudes and the salt and the light we have tonight and then we have one more week next week, and then the series, will, that'll be it. It's just a little mini-series. But next week, someone say next week. Next week, you're in for a treat, an absolute treat. Because the one and the only, the righteous, the Puritan, if you will, Kenneth Macau will be preaching next week. You don't want to miss it. He's already told me, hey, here's what God's put on my heart in the, from the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be an awesome week. You don't want to miss it. Tonight, I'm just going to like, jump right into it. So if you're a note taker, God loves you more and I love you more. If you're not a note taker, I pray that you find a toenail in your Chipotle next time you go. Don't scoff. Just take notes in church. You have many avenues. There's paper and pen. There's your notes app. There's Evernote. You have, if you have an Android there's the door. But, hey, there's many other options. Here's your sermon in a, note, sermon in a sentence, you note takers. Kingdom living is often so unorthodox, upside down, and backwards. You heard our guy Jake uh, Sunday morning in our Let's Chat panel talk about this. And, and, and here's the thing about that. Living this way can bring a bit of heaven to earth. Come on, anybody else want a little bit of heaven on earth? Man, earth, it seems like earth has been going through one lately. She's, she's been through a tough season. How many know we could use a little bit of heaven on earth? So one more time. Here's your sermon in a sentence. If you remember nothing else, remember this. Kingdom living is often so unorthodox, upside down and backwards. Living this way can bring a bit of heaven to earth. Um, the, the Sermon on the Mount is incredible, it's incredible. And dead in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount is what's known as the Lord's Prayer. This isn't the main chunk of scripture that we'll be getting into tonight, um, but it, it bears some weight for us this evening as we're digging into um, uh, our, our, our text tonight. And the Lord's Prayer famously says this in, in Matthew six, verse nine and 10. It says, pray like this. Our Father, this is literally like the disciples, Jesus. Teach us how to pray. And and this is what Jesus says. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody say, on earth as it is in heaven. And, And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to lay out for us how we can bring a little bit of heaven to earth. And what's crazy to me, someone will say crazy. I like how a few of you went like that too. Like, someone will say crazy. <laughs> what's crazy to me is the things that Jesus talks about. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you want some heaven on earth? And then we would assume that Jesus would start saying, okay, cool. Like, pray and see the, see the sick healed. Raise, raise the dead to life. Move mountains. Big faith. Like, speak to millions of people. But that's not at all what Jesus says. It's not at all what Jesus talks about. Let me just, I have the Sermon on the Mount open in my paper Bible right here. Let me just give you a few things that Jesus talks about. He talked about, last week, we talked about the beat attitudes. Just like, hey, you know, blessed are you when you're sad. For the kingdom of God is yours. Like, what? What are you talking about? Jesus went on to talk about salt and light. He talked about the law. He talked about anger. He went and talked about adultery, divorce. He talked about vows, like be a person of your word. You know, you want heaven on earth? Then when you say yes, mean it. When you say no, mean it. When you say you'll be there at 730, be there at 730. Like, this is the stuff he's talking about. He talks about revenge. Eh, Don't take revenge. Let God get the revenge. He talks about loving your enemies and even praying for them. He talks about giving to the needy. He talks about prayer and fasting. Let me flip the page real quick. He talks about money and stuff. He talked about not judging people. He talked about praying in private, too. Like, not just where everyone sees you, but also in private. He talked about the golden rule. You know, the, the, the thing that your grandma talked to you? Hey, honey, treat others how you like to be treated. And you're like, Grandma, you're so wise. No, your grandma ain't that wise. It was Jesus' word. She stole it from Jesus and didn't give him any credit. It's a sermon on the mount. <laughs> I was about to say, your grandma's a buster. Your grandma's not a buster. Your grandma's awesome, okay? Okay. <laughs> Maybe she didn't know. She might not have known. It was, Her grandma taught it to her, and she might not know. It's Sermon on the Mount. He talked about trees and, like, fruit on trees. He talked about being a disciple. He talked about building your life on a solid foundation. This is crazy. This is the stuff Jesus said, you want some heaven on earth? Do this stuff. And you're like, well, that is not at all what I thought Jesus would talk about when he's saying, change the world. Bring heaven to earth and he talked about that stuff. It is so wild. And to me, it's so, so, so interesting. And so uh, tonight, we're going to dig into some of these things that he talks about. There's, a, uh, there's this guy that most of you probably won't know. Uh, his name is R.C. Sproul. He's just like a genius uh, of the faith, has a brilliant mind. And, and he said this. He said, the only way the kingdom of God is going to manifest. And I know that that word manifest is kind of like, oh, what does like, that word mean? It's like show up. The only way that the, that the kingdom of God is going to show up in this world before Christ comes is if we manifest it, if we show up, if we manifest it by the way we live as citizens of heaven and subjects of the king. Kind of like our sermon in a sentence. Kingdom living is often so unorthodox, upside down, and backward living this way can bring a bit of heaven to earth. Amen. All right, so we're going to dig into some of this tonight. First, we're going to go Matthew chapter 6 verse number 43. Verse number 43. If you're there say amen. If you need more time, we have we had a laptop up here just ringing. If it ain't Jesus, don't answer it. All right, Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5. I'm tripping. I was just looking at my Bible like, what am I, where is it? That I don't even, th- there is not a Matthew chapter 6 verse 43. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. There it is. Found it, guys. Don't worry. I thought it might have been missing from my Bible. On some of them, there's like pages in my Bible all like missing and my Bible's all ripped up and falling apart. That's how you know my life isn't. Come on, guys, come on. Hey, would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? We are going to read Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 48. That's like five verses, I think. And this is pretty wild. I like like this little portion of scripture right here. It's pretty upside down, unorthodox, and backwards, if you ask me. Here's what Jesus said. Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached. He says this, You have heard the law that says... Often you'll hear Jesus throughout his time in ministry on earth say, you've heard it said, but I say to you. It's like, whenever you hear Jesus say that, pay attention. He says, you've heard the loss uh, that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Ladies, hey, all the ladies in the room say, hey. You know that girl who just talks crap on you for no reason, pretends like she knows you, but she doesn't know you. She literally, she don't know your middle name, but she wants to keep your first name in her mouth all the time. <laughs> Real quick, uh, what was the last time you prayed for that girl? And I'm not, I'm not saying the prayer, God, I pray she would reap what she sows. <laughs> and she's a sowing a 747 flying out the sky straight to her bedroom. No, that's not what I'm saying. A different type of prayer. but That's what God, that's what Jesus is saying right here. He says, pray for the, love your enemies. First off, Jesus. And he says t- a step further. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting like true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good. And he sends rain on both the just and unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you, are, uh, if, if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. God, you're so good. We love you. Speak to us tonight. God, please, please, please. It's on the way. It's almost here. Help your team the Las Vegas Raiders, this coming season. And God, I pray, in Jesus' name, curse the New England Patriots. Literally curse them. God, I also speak just no blessing whatsoever on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Grab a seat tonight. (laughs) I did. I just prayed for them right now. I pray no blessings over them. It doesn't count in football, okay? Um, (laughs) are, are, <laughs> a Buccaneers fan just said, I think it should. <laughs> uh, how, how, how well do you do with like when plans change? Like, are, do you, are you like good with it? you not good with Like you have this plan set and in motion and then like last minute, boom, plans change. Like life throws you a curveball. Are you good with that? You're not good with that? Like how do you deal with that? I mean, all of us have kind of lived that for the past year and a half, right? But, but I want to tell you a story about a time, like, everything changed in, like, a, a moment. It's, like, absolute curveball. Plans change. And, and my wife, who typically is, um, she's terrible with plans changing. Like, ter- it could be like, hey, we're leaving at 8.30, but then it's like, oh, never mind. We're going to leave at... Eight forty-five. be like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> what are we gonna do?" Maybe <laughs> like, so, it's fifteen minutes. Calm down. But but one time, uh, we were flying out to Kansas City because my uh, my sister was getting married. And so this laptop keeps ringing for whoever's laptop this is. I'm just gonna go hit the mute button. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh, it, uh, Carlos. It's one of um. It has the smart thing on it. You know, that's like not like my cheap one. Oh, there it is. Okay, bing. Is that did that mute it? Oh, I muted it, guys. Praise God. I'm so smart. <laughs> like the whole bar up top was like, uh, it was like black, and I couldn't like figure out where what the like there was no buttons, you know. Um, so so we we had to um hell LAX um, <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna fly, don't fly out of LAX. It's terrible. Uh, and we're going to LAX, and JJ was taking us. JJ, you remember this because it took us. Six and a half hours to get to LAX this day, six and a half hours, and we 're literally like mapping out we 're like we're not going to make it, we 're not going to make it we 're not going to make it. We get to LAX like like we 're going to make it we 're going to make it, and then we get to the like roundabout where we 're getting ready to pull up to the gate, dead stop, and we 're then there for another hour. like we went. We went like 45 feet in an hour, man. Like not 45 miles per hour, 45 feet per hour, dude. And, and we get up to the gate and we're like running. We're literally running. We go to check in and the people from the airlines that we were flying with, and I won't mention their names because they did not treat us well. Uh, they're like, Hey. You're, you've, you've already missed your flight. We're like, no, like the flight doesn't leave for like 30 minutes. They're like, that's fine, but we can't take your bags. If you want to not take anything but your carry-on and you want to just run up to the plane and chance it, you can, but we can't take your bags because they won't make it onto the plane. End of story. All right, where's all my people who overpack? <laughs> Your boy overpacks like crazy, okay? Like crazy. Yeah. I, girls gotta have options, okay? <laughs> like, I need options. I, people are like, just bring the clothes you'll wear. I don't need the clothes I wear. I need all my options so that when I get there, it depends on the mood that I'm in, okay? Like, so I overpack. I'm like, I'm going to a wedding. I can't just bring my carry-on, and we, like, we miss our flight. Immediately, I, and this is usually not me. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not going to see my sister get married. Ah, like, I'm so mad. And Amber goes, babe, it's going to be fine. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you do not usually, literally, and then they're like, here's the best we can do. We've got a plane leaving for Kansas City in about six hours. There were too many sixes in this story, okay? It had to be Satan involved or something. <laughs> like, like the, we, got a, we got a plane leaving in six hours. We could get you on that plane. Like, what are we supposed to do for six hours? They're like, well, you can, you know, I don't go into town or just sit here and like whatever. So we left, our, we left our house at like 3 a.m. that day, right? JJ, the man of God that he is, faithful steward unto the calling of the Lord upon his life. We call him. He literally just gets out of the roundabout from LAX. We call him and we're like, hey, buddy, could you come back? And he's like, yeah, man, of course. I'm like, yeah. What a faithful man. He comes back around, picks us up. We go get food. We get coffee. We chill in the city for a little bit. We head back, and we miss our second flight. No, we didn't. We didn't. <laughs> you thought we didn't miss our second flight we got on the plane we made it to kansas city my sister got married she's been married for about a year now she's happily married it's all good okay but like how do you do with plans that change like in that moment i usually do well i did horrible my wife was like it's gonna be okay sweetie calm down and i'm like cut it out she's like love is patient i was like don't you quote the scriptures at me like how do you do when plans change jesus just changed thousands and thousands and thousand year old plans Like, he just threw the ultimate curveball at these people in the Sermon on the Mount. He hits them with, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Write this down. This is our first point tonight. Unorthodox love and prayer. Jesus preaching the greatest sermon of all time just flipped everything upside down. You've heard it said, love, love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I say, but I tell you, love your enemies. People sucked air. <gasps> what? Jesus? Love our enemies? And realize in this day and age, the vast majority of people he was talking to right here were Jewish people who were currently living under the suppression of the Roman Empire. People who were li- like, like literally stealing their lives and their money and their freedom. Those were their enemies. And Jesus says, Oh, those people love them. People, ah, Jesus, how provocative. He's like, Yes. And also, pray for those who persecute you. Keep in mind, this was a day and age when something called crucifixion existed. The Romans, they perfected this, this, this execution model. When, when Jesus said persecution, he didn't think of it in terms like we think of it. Like, ah, no, but they didn't, they didn't like my Instagram post. I. Invited them to church, and they said no. (laughs) This is what we think when we think persecution. When Jesus said persecution, they would have images of people being nailed to trees. Because that's what persecution was in in that day. And Jesus says, the people who nailed your father or mother or uncle or cousin to a tree and killed them, I want you to pray for them. This flipped the whole world upside down. This was completely countercultural, it was unorthodox. It was backwards. It was the greatest sermon ever preached. I don't know about you, but in my personal prayer time, my enemies do not often come up. Like the people who hate on me, who want to like say things about like I got my car keyed here at church on a Wednesday night while I was preaching. Bro, I did, oh, I prayed for them. I prayed, God, I pray in Jesus' name. (laughs) Like, but this is the type of life that Jesus is calling us to in the greatest sermon ever preached. I don't know about you, but I don't often pray for those who have hurt me. Who trash talk me, who say things behind my back. Maybe I'm abnormal, but do you often pray for those people? No, you pray, God, thank you for this food, it bomb. <laughs> like, that's what you do. Like, you pray, God, thank you so much for my granny that Corey just called a buster. She's the sweet lady, thank you. Like, these are the, we don't pray, God, God, I pray you would bless those kids who egged my house. Like, these aren't the prayers we pray, and yet yeah, this is what Jesus is calling us to. How upside down is this? But how, like, how completely opposite to our world and our current culture is this? A whole world that says, "Oh, you, you don't like you, you, you don't agree with what I'm, with me, and what I think, and what I say." Cancelled. <laughs> The generation that created cancel culture. Jesus says, "Don't cancel them. Pray for them." Huh? But Jesus, they're a Republican. <laughs> oh, but God, but they voted Democrat. I, I can't pray for them. Oh, but God, they're one of those conservatives. Oh, Jesus, they. I can't pray for them. They're a liberal. Oh. God knows what they believe. Like, you no, know, Jesus says, pray for them. Pray for the people who, pr- how upside down is this to our culture? And so, how much would we be noticed if we lived like this? If we loved these people? If we prayed for these people? Because here's the thing when it comes to the gospel, the best proclamation isn't exclamation the, gosh, I have a speech impediment. The best proclamation is an explanation. It's demonstration. Praise God that that came out. All right. There's three words to pay attention to there. Uh, Proclamation, exclamation, demonstration. The best proclamation of the gospel, the best proclamation isn't explanation. It's demonstration. The, uh, uh, there's many people that this, this uh, quote has been attributed to, but we're pretty sure it was St. Augustine who said, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. It's not a scapegoat to not share your faith verbally. No, it's rather live out the gospel. Love those who love you. You know what's hilarious about this? Uh, Jesus, says, Jesus says, love those who love you. Even tax collectors do this. What book were we in? What, what's the book called? It's the book of... Matthew, does anybody know what Matthew did for a living before he followed Jesus? How awkward is that? Matthew is sitting there, recording, recording the holy scriptures and Jesus giving the greatest message of all time. He's taking the notes because he's getting ready to write the first gospel in the New Testament, and he says, "Okay, yep, love those. Love those who love you. What good is that? Even tax." But Jesus, I'm a tax collector. I was a tax collector. Tax collectors were like like the scum of the earth at the time. They were like everybody hated tax collectors. And so Jesus just pointed to like the one like, like occupation that everybody would have hated. Like ugh, tax collectors. And he's like, I'm sorry like if your mom and dad work for the IRS or something. Because that makes this moment very awkward. But uh, it's like, yeah, even tax collectors do that. Jesus saying, that's easy. That's easy. The upside-down kingdom living, on the other hand, that is challenging. So he says, love those who hate you. Why did he say that? Well, he said that because that's for the world. Because when we go out and we love those who love us, nobody notices. No one's going to notice. No one's going to notice. When you are nice to your buster granny, because she's a sweetheart. I don't know why I keep calling your granny a buster. I don't even know her. Is your granny cool? Like she's a cool lady. My granny was a cool lady. My granny was the coolest ever. All right, legend, Nan. We called her Nan. What do you call your grandma? Grandma? Why do white people call their grannies such weird things? (laughs) I'm gonna say it like I feel bad, but like because like, like, our pastors, grandkids call them this, but they call them Nani. Oh, my Nani? Like, I, that's cool. Like, Pastor Ann, if you're watching, I love you. Please continue to sign my paychecks. <laughs> but like, just call her grandma, man. Like, call her grandma. Call her grandpa. Granny, grandpa, I don't know. <laughs> but like, 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 who notices when you love those who love you? that. Everybody does that. Everybody does that. But go love the people who hate you and talk trash on you. The people who drag your name through the dirt even though they don't know you. The, go, go love the girl who got your boyfriend to cheat on you with her. Go love that person. Go love the family member who showed up to Thanksgiving and started all the drama and ruined the family vibe. Go pray for the person and love the person who keys your car at church. While you are teaching the Holy Scriptures? Like, go love them. Everybody will notice. Everybody will notice. They'll be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Why are you, why are you the way you are? You're like, oh, you know, I don't It's like, sermon on the mount. <laughs> like, Jesus just told me to live like this. And, and, and he loves me, so I just figured I could, love, I could love everybody. How much would we stand out? It's, how much would we stand out to them? Our actual enemy, how much would we stand out? I heard a story of, of um, this person who, who had committed murder, they, they killed somebody and they went to prison. They got life in jail. And this person went to deep, deep, deep depression after having done this horrible and horrific thing and began to deal with suicidal thoughts and thought to themselves, before, I, before my death sentence is carried out, I think I'm going to beat them to it because they were dealing with such deep depression. said that the, the way in which that they found relief from that is when the parents of the person who was murdered met them in prison and let them know, we love you and we forgive you oh man, maybe the reason that God tells us to love our enemies is because it's the exact way that he plans to reach them. Because our enemies are going to notice. You know who else will notice? The whole world around. But then why does he go on to say and pray for those who persecute you? Because you can pray for someone and they'll never ever know. Jesus actually in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he digs into the importance of private, personal, intimate prayer. So why would he say to pray for for someone? Well, love them. That's for them in the world. Pray for them. That's for you. Because it's really hard to hate someone that you pray for. It's really hard to hate someone. And what will happen is you pray to an all-loving God who loves everybody about the people that you hate. Pretty quickly, you start inheriting God's heart for them. You start getting God's heart for them. So who do you right now consider an enemy? Who's hurt you? Who's mocked you? Who's talked about you? Who's abandoned you? Who broke your trust when you were supposed to be able to trust them? And what's that doing to your heart and your mind and your stress levels? Why don't you try praying for them? We're actually going to do that together a little bit later. So one way to bring heaven to earth is unorthodox love and prayer. The next is this. Write this down. Planks and specks. Planks and specs. We're gonna jump over to Matthew chapter seven. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount, but we're in a different chapter. We're gonna read six verses. Matthew seven, verse one to six. You don't have to stand. I'm gonna read it real quick. Do not, somebody say not. Do not judge others. Well, right there, like so many of the Christians in the room just had their entire foundation ripped out from underneath them, because they thought that, that was the they thought that was what Christianity was all about. Be cranky. Look like you're sucking on lemons all day. Just judge everybody. (sighs) Wearing hats in the house of God. How dare you? Up there with them tattoos. (laughs) Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. (whistles) Hmm. Would you look at that? For you will be treated as you treat others. And the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. That's terrifying. Verse three, and why worry about a speck, somebody say speck, in your friend's eye when you have a log or a plank, somebody say plank, not in, plank, like from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, anybody, anybody? One of the greatest cartoons of all time, don't at me. The plank in your own. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of your speck, the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log or the plank in your own eye? Hypocrite, you got to love the Bible. It's just hypocrite, exclamation point. (laughs) Best sermon ever preached right here. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. All right, let's see here. Who can I get to help me? Who can I get to help? me? I need like a, do we got a junior? Come, Come here, dude. Come on up. Backwards hat, man. Yeah, come here. Come on up. Come on stage, my guy. You got it? Yes, sir. What's your name, dude? Jackson. Jackson! What's good? Jackson, I'm going to ask what every single lady in the room is wondering. Are you single? Don't answer that question. That's not why we're here. Jackson. He's not! Ladies, back off. Jackson is not single. He's dating his mom, okay? (laughs) Just kidding, Jackson. Jackson, do you know what this is? It's a toothpick. I want you, Jackson, don't poke yourself in the eye, but just hold that like, kind of up to your eye if you would. Imagine here, if you do this, you won't stab yourself in the eye, like scoot it back like that, bing, now you can just put your finger against your eye, and then you're not stabbing yourself in the eye, huh? He goes, ah, you know, you want my protective glasses? They're not real, never mind, they're blue, blue light. Imagine if I'm like, Jackson, Looks. you know what, this might even be a little bit too big, let's just do this, all right, can you guys see that? Okay, good, Jackson, can you see that? You can see it, yeah, because you're up close, bing, all right, can you like kind of squeeze that in your fingers, hold it, like... Can you guys see the speck? Some of you guys are like, oh yeah, I see the speck. I see that speck in your eye. Yeah, but we're basically this. Jackson, my dude. Can I help you with your speck? Can we hold it up? My guy. Uh, you got something in your eye, dude. It's like, let me just. I'm gonna do this for the sake of example. Uh, I'm not gonna spill it like Van did. So <laughs> Jackson, I want to, let me help you with your, oh gosh, like, and and you've got this giant thing in your eye, and you look like a dang fool, and you're knocking everything over, and you're like, Jackson, dude, you got something in your eye. Let me help you. (laughs) Like, it's, It's like, you look like a darn fool, but how many of us are living life just like this? We got this stuff, and here's the thing, some of us are plank. It's like, we think it's hidden, because like, oh, Jackson over there, Fresh into church, still using the cursed words. I know you don't, Jackson. I know you do not, but for the sake of the, for the sake of the sermon, still using cursed words. Yeah, and you're looking. You're over here with the plank, looking at stuff on the internet. You shouldn't be, <laughs> dude. I can barely hold this up. I need to work out or something. Uh, give me a second. It gets real heavy holding your plank. That's not in the, I don't, I, that could preach, but it's not in the notes, so I'm not going to preach it, JJ. Ugh. Jackson over there, watching the rated R movies, <gasps> the only rated R movie I've ever seen is Passion of the Christ. <laughs> Dude, this is seriously very hard to hold up. This, this is the, oh, wait, hold, hold yours up to your eye, Jackson. This is the life that Jesus is saying, don't live this life. Hey, someone give it up for Jackson. Jackson, you can keep that speck. It's all yours. He's saying, he's saying, this is what you look like when you're judging other people. Can I tell you, this will carry into every single area of your life. My wife, Amber, and I, on, 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 oh, I forgot the water bottles down there. My wife, Amber, and I, we, uh, we argue a ton. Like, we, we argue. It's probably because she's still maturing in the Lord. God's still growing her. <laughs> she's got a problem with like biblical marital submission. You know what I mean? Like, Corey, don't be that guy. <laughs> but it's like, how often am I going over to Amber? Like, like Amber, you need to deal with your attitude. <laughs> like, And God's like, no, Corey, stop dealing with the speck in your wife's eye and start dealing with the plank in your own eye. The reason she's got attitude is because you're impatient. The reason she's got attitude is because you can't ever admit you're wrong about anything. And you're like, I'm not wrong. Are you kidding me? I haven't been wrong. I can't tell you the last time I've been wrong. <laughs> like wrong as you're saying it. And Jesus is like, don't be that. Look at your neighbor say, don't be that guy. Jesus saying, don't be that guy. Now, let me just say this. Wor- this will carry out in marriage. It will carry out with friends, family, people. How dumb must we look? Because plank people, plank people are destructive. They're destructive. You might be wondering, how, well, Corey, how do you know if you're a plank person? You know you're a plank person if you're the only one you know who is right. Like, let that sink in. If you're the only one you know who's right about anything, you're probably a plank person. Here's the thing. As humans, we are way better with microscopes than we are with mirrors. The plank principle is get good with mirrors before you start putting people under microscopes. Get good with self-reflection. How often are you sitting in church and you hear a message and it's challenging or it's convicting and you go, Oh, I know someone who needs to hear that. As opposed to always initially thinking, and I'm not saying, there's some times when, yes, send people the podcast, send them the link on YouTube, like, send them the message, for sure. But 99% of the time, our muscle memory and instinct should be, ooh, how does this speak to me? That's how you avoid being a plank person. We should always start with ourselves. We should worry about, so like your neighbor say, worry about yourself, Why did Jesus say this? Jesus said this because faith people and religious people had earned a reputation. A reputation for being judgmental. And people started thinking that's how God was. So one of the ways Jesus says we could bring heaven to earth is by, hey, stop caring so much about other people's speck and start to deal with your own plank first. The last thing the people of God should be known as is being judgmental. I'm going to say that again. The last thing the people of God should be known as is being judgmental. Walking around. Just imagine if every single one of us had a plank here in church today. We're just walking around. It's like, hey, guys, come up for worship. You're like, okay, bink, everybody's hitting each other. One, two, three, let's go. And everyone's getting knocked out. Like, how dumb would we look? Jesus is like, yeah, that's how dumb you look. Walking through life judging everybody else, always worried about somebody else and what they're going through, what they're dealing with and their sin and how Jesus is saying, yeah, you look ridiculous. Don't do that. Just don't be that guy. P.S. If you feel like God isn't using you in people's lives, ask yourself, am I a plank person? Because remember, plank people are destructive i got to read this exactly how I wrote it because there's not a chance in the world that I'm going I'm to be able to pull this off by memory. But here you go. <clears throat> God might be pressing pause on your purpose till you pluck the plank and stop judging people while pretending like you're perfect. So many words that start with P there. Corey, break that down. Okay, I'll break it down. Um, God might not be using you in people's lives right now because if he were to send you to somebody, you'd walk over there with your plank and knock them out. You would hurt them. You would judge them. You would be a poor representation of God in their lives. And so right now, if you're like, God, so weird. I hear about all these people at Bridge Youth sharing their faith and people coming to the Lord and God using them. God ain't using me like that. Ask yourself, am I a plank person? When I walk into somebody's life and they are a certain way, do I just immediately judge them? Or do I look at them and go, what, who am I? <laughs> you got a little... Little Jackson, my guy, he's got this little piece of a toothpick. I got a two-by-four. I don't need to judge you. Then everyone's on a journey. And you know what? If I can love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me, how easy is it for me to love you? That's what. So if you're not being used by God, ask yourself, am I a plank person? Am I a plank person? Now, let me just say really, really quick because we're going to move quick for the rest of the message here. Be careful always assuming you're the speck person and they're the plank person right? Um, Be careful if you always think I'm, if you always assume you're the spec person and they're the plank person, you're probably the plank person. Let me break that down a little bit. God will send people, leaders, youth pastors, connect group leaders, people of faith into your life to help you just point you in the right direction. not there to judge you and put you down. They're not there to beat you up. They're there to build you up. But often what'll happen is people will be like, oh, Everybody's out to get me. Everybody's against me. They're all judgment. Oh, you know what? Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. They're a plank person. And they got a big old plank in their eye. They're trying to deal with my speck. Jerks, I'm going to a new church. Okay. (laughs) Like, You know those people who just bounce around from church to church to church to church and the problems just follow them? It's like, yeah, because the problem is wherever you go, there you are. So if you constantly think that everybody's out to get you and everybody's judging you, and they must be plank people. Thank you, Pastor Corey, for this encouraging message. If you're always thinking everybody else is plank people, you're probably the plank person, okay? And actually, when you read this, Jesus doesn't say, never go help your brother or your sister with their speck. That's not what he said. He said what? Deal with your own plank first so that you can see clearly to go help your brother. Not to hurt them, not to tear them up, not to judge them, but to go help them with what they're walking through as well. So be careful always assuming everybody else is the plank person. Let me just add on here. Um, This is random, and it'll probably be a little bit too, like, college level for a few of you, but I think it's important to say, um, let's stop questioning people's salvation because we don't agree with 100% of their theology. Like, you see somebody, and you're like, oh, you don't believe what I believe about this one specific topic? (gasps) You're not going to heaven. Don't do that. Because it's going to be really awkward when you get to heaven and they're there. You're like, oh, y'all just let anybody up in here. <laughs> and then they're going to look at you and be like, oh, dang, God, y'all just let anybody up in here. Don't do that. Don't question people's, don't question people's salvation just because you disagree with a few minor points of their theology. But that's a side note. Let me finish this, uh, this point by sharing a story with you. There was, a, there was this guy who had come to church here one time. He came on a Sunday morning for the first time, and he had never been to church before. Not that he had never been to our church. He'd never stepped foot in a church before. And so um, he came, and, and, and uh, we met him. One of our students at the time had brought him, and he was a super cool guy. Uh, he had a Subaru, uh, uh, an STI. It was gorgeous. Gave me a ride in it. I was like, yes, dude. like, this is awesome. Um, and, and he, had some, uh, he had some tattoos. He had just turned 18, and he had some tattoos. And, uh, and, and I was like, hey, dude, who did that tattoo? And he's like, oh, this tattoo, this guy named Jordan Brill. And I was like, at Devoted? And he's like, yeah. I was like, dude, Jordan did this tattoo. He's like, no way. He's like, yeah, way, dude. That's so awesome. He's like, that's so cool, dude. Like, so you go to church here too? I was like, yeah, I'm one of the pastors. He's like, what? Pastors can't have tattoos. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to need to take, like, every preconceived idea that you have about church and, like, throw it out the window if you're going to come here. And so he came, back, uh, he came back that Wednesday. He had, like, just graduated as a senior, so he had one summer to, like, join us in youth ministry. Um, and so he came back that Wednesday, and he got saved that Wednesday. And I had a conversation with him right here. Such a cool conversation. He's like, what's next, Corey? And I was like, yeah, well, you know, it's time to start, you know, just get, get to know God. He's like, wait, but like, what? Like, what's the list of rules? What's all the stuff I need to cut out of my life? I was like, don't worry about that stuff. Just get to know God. He's like, okay, how? I was like, okay, just start talking to him. That's called prayer. And then read the Bible. And He's like, where should I start in the Bible? I was like, the New Testament. He's like, the new what? It's like the New Testament. It's the second half of the Bible. He's like, there's halves of the Bible. It's like that's right. You've never been to church before. It's like okay, start in the book of John. And he's like there's another book other than the bible called john i was like no john is a book in the bible he's like whoa this is all new to me and i was like okay we're going to start there I'm like i'm going to walk you through all of this it was so cool and i remember him telling me this he goes he goes wow like right here he's tearing up he's tearing up and he goes oh my gosh like it's so much easier than i thought it would be and i said dude jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light he's like that's awesome and i said can I just tell you, as a pastor, you're so valuable, like, to me. Like, I, I need to, like, I'm going to study your church experience like a science project, man. I was like, let me ask you a question. Why'd you come back? He's like, what? I was like, you came on Sunday, right? He's like, yeah, you, you met a bunch of people, you were in service, and then you're like, I want to come back on Wednesday. I was like, why'd you come back? He's like, oh, really simple, dude. Nobody was weird, and nobody judged me. I was like, really? That's it? He's like, yeah, It's like, God didn't like have a moment with you in service? He's like, no, not really. I was like, who preached on Sunday? He's like, I don't remember. It's like, what did they preach about? No clue. I came back because nobody was weird and nobody judged me. And he said, and I thought that everybody would be weird and that at least most people would judge me. Do not put it past God how he could use just don't be weird and don't judge people. Because for this guy, it got him salvation. Eternity changed forever. All because no one was weird and nobody judged him. People weren't walking around with planks in their eye trying to deal with the little speck in his eye. This is a guy who, um, he came to youth and... and We'd have moments where we'd be praying. He'd be like, God, I just pray that you would reach my friend because he's out there fing up and like, oh shoot, like, because he's like, he's brand new to faith. He doesn't know that he shouldn't pray like that. He doesn't know that those words, it's like, he's brand new to it. And can I tell you, nobody at Bridge Youth went over there like, oh, dude. You can't talk like that in the house of God. Yeah, please, like we, you know, appreciate the respect and you know, as you, do, let's respect the house of God. But, like there was such like, oh, like you just, you don't, you're brand new to this, man. And I love this. I love that this is a place that's it's safe for people to fail. We met. I, I met with this student uh, week before last, and he was like, you know what I love about Bridge Youth, like you out there's room to grow. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah, we're just not plank people. Don't be that guy. Make your instinct and your muscle memory, considering yourself first. Last point as the band heads up, really quickly, write this down Wolves and fruit. Wolves and fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but really are vicious wolves. You can identify them. Someone say, identify. Not judge, you can identify them. Another word that's used is you can recognize them by their fruit. That is the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Let's talk really quick about the difference between identify and judge. See, we identify and we recognize people by their fruit. Let's really quick just deal with this, with the plank principle, which means what? Look at myself first. Look at my, Everyone take your finger and point at yourself. Point at yourself. We're going to deal with the the plank principle real quick. Okay, you put your hands down. That was, it looks so weird from here. Like, doing that on stage, I was like, yeah, it's going to hit so hard right now. People are just, And then you guys did it, and I was like, stop doing that. It's weirding me out. <laughs> plank principle, let's look at ourselves first, okay? So then, what Jesus just did is gave everybody in this room, everybody watching online, anybody who will see me on social media or see me preach or anything like that, Jesus just gave them gave them permission not to judge me, that's God's job, but to identify me by my fruit. See, people will look at your life and they will identify you by the fruit of your life. This is why integrity is so important. This is why integrity is so important. Because if I were to... Be unfaithful in my marriage and my integrity were to fall and that's the fruit of my life. My whole ministry fails. That's why when people say, let's hang out on Friday and Saturday, Pastor Cory, the junior high boys are like, come on, let's go to the trampoline park every day. I'm like, I will one day. But then the other day, it's date night and I, I we focus on our marriage and like, forget all of you guys. And no, I'm not going to respond to you. Cory, you never text back. No, I just don't text back one day a week because I'm going to hang out with my wife. And people be like, oh, what are you doing? Like, what do you have on the schedule that day? Like nothing. He's like, so you're not doing anything. Come and hang out with me. I didn't say I'm not doing anything. I said, I'm doing nothing and I will be doing nothing with my wife at home, sitting there doing nothing. That's what's on my schedule because being like managing my integrity. And that starts in my marriage. It's so important. That's why your integrity is so important. That's why your integrity is so important. Now we don't have the right to judge But we also, we do have the right to identify false prophets and true prophets by their fruit, by their fruit. Because there's just some people that I don't want to emulate, imitate, or follow because of the life that they live. I don't want the fruit that they are bearing in their life. I'm not like here saying, I hope they don't make it to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. That's judgment. I'm saying, I don't want to live a life like you. That's different. But here's the thing about fruit and root. Back to self-reflection. Is your life producing good fruit or bad fruit? Is your life producing good fruit or bad fruit? Does it seem like your life is producing bad fruit and you can't seem to figure out why and you can't stop? Has anybody else ever struggled with a sin and you just can't seem to drop it? You just can't seem to shake it. And you're over here like, oh, don't sin. Don't sin. don't sin. The fruit, this fruit, it's such bad fruit. I don't want this as like connected to my life. I need to like, and you go like like a crazy person. Imagine like going and ripping off all the bad apples from an apple tree and you're like, oh yes. Now all the bad fruit's gone. And then you go inside, you come out the next day and there's more bad fruit. Well, what's the issue? The issue is not the fruit. The issue is the root. This is why we don't deal with the fruit of people's lives. When my guy comes in and, and he, he cusses, oh my gosh. We're not like, oh, that's bad fruit, false prophet. No, we go, what's, what's the root? The root was his roots have been dug into the world for the last 18 years. Now he's been following God for 18 minutes and I expect everything to change right away. No, 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 let me take the plank out of my eye. may I submit to you that if your life seems to be continually producing bad fruit, the action, the sin, all of that is probably not the culprit. The culprit is what you have your heart, the roots of your heart wrapped around. So tonight, can I urge you, deal with the root. As I close tonight, 70% of the audience just re-engaged right there. Kingdom living is often so unorthodox, upside down and backwards. But living this way can bring a bit of heaven to earth. And every one of us have a root issue. It's called sin. We're actually born into it. This is why the Bible says all have sinned, everybody. And we all fall short of the glory of God. No one's judging anybody. It's a level playing field. And if tonight you would say, I want to deal with that root issue. I want forgiveness of my sin. I want to move into all that it is that God has for me. You're going to have the opportunity right now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? No one moving around. Nobody distracting anybody. If you're in this place and you would say tonight, tech team, change the environment of the room. Thank you. If you say, that's me, Pastor Corey. I've been trying to deal with sin, and I'm realizing sin's not the problem. My heart's the problem. I want to wrap the roots of my heart around God. I want to give him my heart. I want to deal with that root issue. If that's you, you want forgiveness of your sin. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to know that the day that you die, you're going to be in heaven with God. You want to give the pen of your life to him and say, you write the next chapter. If that's you. I'm going to ask you to respond in a simple way. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand. You can lift it, put it right back down. You might ask, Corey, why are you asking me to lift my hand? Because I just believe that when we respond on the outside to what God's doing on the inside, it solidifies it in our hearts and in our lives. So if that's you, this is your moment. This is your chance. When I get to three, you lift your hand. You can put it right back down. Here we go. Tonight's your night. One, two, three, go. All over this place. Man, so many hands. You can put it right back down. And I'm so proud of you. That is so awesome. That's the best decision you could ever make with your life. If you're watching online and God sees you, I can't see your hand, I can't see you, but God sees you. And what we're gonna do, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, we are going to pray together. And I know you might be like, oh, Corey, I've never prayed before. That's all right, it's just talking to God and actually I'm gonna give you the words. So because we're a family, we pray together, we, we do things together. So everybody's gonna pray this right there with you just in support of those who just raise their hand. So right now, would you repeat these simple words right after me? Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for receiving me, and thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we welcome people into God's family right now? Amen, amen. Hey, really quick, if you just prayed that prayer, can I tell you, it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. And so we wanna walk this next week, which is a critical week in your life, we wanna walk out this journey with you. So we've put together something called The Next Seven Days. It's a free gift, we wanna get it to you. It'll just be um, seven videos that you can watch once a day for the next seven days. It'll be me right there on your phone or your tablet or heaven forbid, your smart TV in your living room with the surround sound system on because anybody else just hate when you hear your own voice. It's like, do I really sound like that? When will I hit puberty? Ah, (laughs) hey, it'll be me all right there. Just help me walk through some of the questions you probably have, because I know I had a ton of questions when I first gave my life to the Lord. So Corey, how can I get the next seven days? Super easy. Just DM us the words next7 on our Instagram at bridgeYTH underscore, and we'll handle the rest. Hey, we feel like it's our obligation and our responsibility to get this to you. So I promise you'll, you'll be blessed by it. One more time. Can we welcome people into God's family? So cool. So cool. Hey, one more thing. I already told you guys what's coming, but would you would you stand to your feet? Nobody distracting anybody. Uh, some of you, if you wanna, if you want to worship at the front, feel free, head down to the front right now. I want to pray really two things, two prayers. Number one, we together right now are going to pray for our enemies. No, I'm not talking about the math teacher that failed you because that was the grade you deserved. It was the grade I deserved as well. I'm talking about that person that hurts you. Like they hurt me. I'm talking about freshmen in high school. Those friends who were your friends, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and now all of a sudden they've ghosted you, and it's like you're a nobody. I'm talking about the person who was your best friend, and nobody else knew that one thing about you. And you told them. And they turned around and told everybody else. I'm talking about the parent that abandoned you like my dad did to me. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the people that have hurt you. We're going to pray for them right now. Corey, that's crazy. That's the Sermon on the Mount. So right now, would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head? I want you right now. Think of that person. Maybe right now you don't have someone in mind. It's all right. Pray for the people around you who are about to have this moment. You have them locked in. Maybe it's a name or maybe it's a face. Right now, would you say this? Say, God, would you bless them? Say, God, would you forgive them? I just feel like some people in the room right now just felt a weight lifted off their shoulders. God, I pray for every single person in this room who's been hurt. God, who's been abandoned, whose trust has been broken. God, right now we pray for our enemies. God, help us to love them. That doesn't mean we're going to trust them, that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that, that, that we're, that doesn't mean we're going to let them into close proximity in our life again, if that's unwise, we're going to protect ourselves, but God, we forgive them and we love them and we pray for your best in their lives. And we release them. God, we release vengeance. Vengeance is not ours. Justice belongs to you. In Jesus name. Amen. One more prayer. What's your plank? You know, it says, you'll know false prophet by the fruit of their life. But a fruit really is a product of the root. Do you have something deep rooted in you? Something that the roots of your heart has wrapped itself around this thing. I just think right now, like the Sermon on the Mount said, it could be our moment where we deal with that plank in our eye, instead of constantly looking at other people. Um, he's he's not a Christian, but he's somebody who I really, really admire as a as a thinker and as an author. A guy named Jordan Peterson, he talks about, hey, before you go and try to put the world in order, make your bed. Deal with the the little things in your the little things in your life. I think so often people go around trying to fix the world because they don't have the courage to deal with the things in their own hearts. Mike, would you would you hold the plank up for me? If I had to uh yeah, here. Do this. If I had to say, like, here's my plank. One would be, um, I, this is an embarrassing moment. I have to think about how to spell this word. Um, I'm sounding it out. Is that right, Jackson? Where you at, my man? Is that right? Is that how you spell it? Certainly hope so. Uh, when I was seven years old, a lot of you guys know my my biological father abandoned me, and I never saw him again. And if I were to let this plank be the thing that my heart's wrapped around, you know what would happen? I would go to my wife and be like, "Wait, who are you going to hang out with? When are you going to be home?" Oh, I don't trust you. You're up to no good. You're going to break my trust and leave me just like my father. But no, no, no. Dealt with that plank. Let's just erase that. Shwoop, you see that magic. Ha-ha. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Oh, but now it's something else. It's uh. because I can't stand the fact that somebody wouldn't like me. Why would you key my car? You'd really like me if you got to know me, I promise. I'm like Pam Beasley from The Office. Like, if ISIS got to know me, they'd probably like me. and then making sure everybody likes me ends up like, ugh getting me into some trouble where it's like, oh, we're gonna over here talk trash about them. So like, I'm gonna be in with you. I had to get rid of that, man. And I got to the place, I've been saying this a lot lately. I would way rather be excluded for who I include than included for who I exclude. Jesus, the one who wrote the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about this in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, why are you hanging out with those sinners? That's crazy. Jesus is like, oh, exclude me if you want. Rather be excluded for who I include than included for who I exclude. What's your plank? If I were to hand everybody in this room, we didn't have the budget, a two by four and a Sharpie, and said, you write on this two by four. Is it anger? Is it hatred? Do you... Now, I'm not hopping on this train like the rest of the world likes to hop on this train all the time, every single time, but do you have something in you that discriminates towards people because of the way that they look? Is your plank the fact that you judge every single person by the way, Oh, no, they dress like that, oh my gosh, but then you go and look up people who dress, up, dress like that on your phone? What's your plank? What if... What if all of us just said, oh, I'm not going to go deal with everybody's speck. I'm going to deal with my own plank. Then all of a sudden, guess what? Nobody has to deal with each other's speck because everyone's already dealt with their own plank. What's your plank? Right now, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I'm going to pray for our planks. God, that thing that's in our eye that's costing us our vision God, we deal with it right now, but dealing with it doesn't mean we're doing it on our own because we can't. We're actually incapable of dealing with our own plank. It's not possible. We need you. We need you to take it. So God, I pray for healing over those who are dealing with addiction and that's their plank. They have an addiction they can't shake. I pray, God, that they wouldn't deal with the fruit, but God, the root that's deep down inside of them, that's convincing them that they need this to be cool. They need this to have validity. This is what gives them their identity. This is what will fulfill them. I pray, deal with that root in their heart. Bring it back to you. you gotta pray for those who have been judgmental towards people. God, we give that to you. Help us to see people as you see them have compassion and love for them. God, I pray for those whose plank is a sin that they can't shake. Help us, Jesus, to stop focusing on the sin and just focus on you because the more and more in love we fall with you, the more and more we fall in love with you, the further we get from that thing. And all of this, God, so that we can go into a world and love people in an upside-down, backwards, unorthodox way that stands out. So in this moment, we receive your correction and your conviction that's so gentle and it's so loving. It's so graceful. And you've already forgiven us before we ever ask for forgiveness. And so we receive that right now. In this moment, we worship you. In Jesus' name.